Katori Hall, Michael R. Jackson. These are just a few of the musical playwright artists who have had their work performed and celebrated on Broadway. The American dream of many creative artists, playwrights, musicians, and actors is to be seen and heard on Broadway. What is that concept or term, Broadway, synonymous with the word theater? or in some circles called the Great White Way. The New York City Theater has been around for centuries, and that term, the Great White Way, became known at the turn of the industrial boom of the 1920s. Bright lights, big city. Amazing how a long street running the length of Manhattan Island is so famously world known. Over time, the Broadway musical has been wonderfully influenced by black artists. And that influence has allowed many musicals to live beyond the stage into motion picture royalty. As we continue to celebrate Black Music Month, EP Michael Womble and I take a walk down memory lane to call out the African-American influence upon the great white way. We speak about the recent Tony Award-winning musical, Strange Loop, and its writer and creator, Michael R. Jackson, and the unique way black music has been easing on down the road for generations into America's heart. No need to play about the black sway on Broadway. I'm Val The Voice Johnson, and this is Interludes. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by Interludes Extra Talk on Tuesdays. Subscribe today to our Interludes YouTube channel and never miss an episode. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Val the Voice Johnson. June, as we all know, is Black Music Month. And many times when we think about Black music, we usually think about what we hear on the radio, uh, in a car, at home, on your phone, on your laptop. But one major source of very interesting and also influential music that has its roots in Africa and African-American uh, and people of color in terms of producing that music comes to us from the, the, the great, great white, white way. way. <laughs> and we saw certainly this year in 2022 that there is a black sway on the great white way. Michael, there's always been sway. Has there been? <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> I am going to start with, I like to call it my all-time favorite movies, but before it was a movie, it was a play. A play? Yeah. So they had fun before they made them a movie. <laughs> Usually, Working the, no play. 
the most successful Broadway shows turned into movies and then there sometimes been... the movies turn into Broadway musicals <laughs> depending on who you ask and if you asked a very young Stephanie Mills who was cast as Dorothy on Broadway in 1974 wow yeah that's going back yes that's going way far back and then uh, Tiger Haynes as the Tin Man, Ted Ross, you'll recognize that name as the Lion and Hinton Battle as the Scarecrow. Right. This was a exciting play that won very big at the Tony Awards in 1975. And then the idea for it to go to the big screen showed up in 1978, but there were a few changes. In fact, there were a lot of changes. And going back to that Broadway musical, which won as best musical at uh, 1975 Tony's, mm -hmm. written by Charlie Smalls, who's uh, African-American writer there, uh, who got some help on both the book which is the story part of a musical. That's the narrative. That's oh. the order of the song, like the story of why somebody just breaks out the song right here and then why they quietly walk into their room and sing the sad song. So that's the book. So so Mr. Smalls uh, had a hand in writing both the book as well as the lyrics and a very soon to be famous R&B singer also helped in both of those aspects. Yes, Luther Vandross. Wow. Luther Vandross, believe it or not. Believe it, yeah. On the stage, that's where, that's one of the places he got um, a lot of his early development, uh, as well as being the background singer on many efforts, including some songs, early David Bowie songs. You can hear Luther's voice there. But Luther contributed to a movie that would star an even bigger R&B vocalist. Well, can't, we can't, can't keep Michael in one lane. <laughs> no, you cannot keep Michael Jackson in any can't, one lane. Can't keep Diana Ross in one lane either. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And of the original broadcast, I'm sorry, Broadway actors, Ted Ross, I think, was one of the few that actually made it into the film version. Because the film version, Michael, I'd like to say at age seven, The Wiz was the very first film that I saw on the big screen. You know... I may have seen some other movies on the big screen, but I'm pretty sure it was the first musical that I ever saw on the big screen. Yeah. Um, and I remember more going to the theater than mm -hmm. actually watching it in the theater. Uh, it was here in the beautiful city of Chicago, and that was a, not a beautiful time when the movie came out. It was a blizzard, <laughs> just like in the movie. And I can remember holding my mom's hand going on the way to the theater and not seeing anything but snow in my face uh <laughs> heading down to i think uh -huh. downtown maybe the esquire theater or somewhere like that to see it um 
So Val, you also remember seeing the movie version of this Broadway musical. What was that like? Well, it introduced me to Michael Jackson, whom at the time I had not made the connection of the Jackson Five. I did not make the connection of the Jacksons. He was all grown up. He was all grown up, age twenty, when this was when he when this was filmed, and the one of the main music producers of the Wiz the film was Quincy Jones. In fact, he has a cameo in one of my favorite scenes of the Wiz, and he's playing the piano. He rears back, looks at the camera, kind of gives a wink and a nod, and keeps right on playing. <laughs> to enjoy one of the best LPs ever produced off the wall because of the introduction of Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones on the Wiz set. And of course, after Off the Wild was a little record called Thriller. A little one. (laughs) And it all happens because of the Wiz. It is the Black Music Geely. The Wiz. <laughs> it, 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 it was an amazing in doing that because it was it was a Motown movie, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why you have Diana Ross, the queen of Motown. She's there and she takes on the Stephanie Mills character. She supposedly is going to bring star power to this movie. And the thing that people don't remember, and I know even you know you and I had to kind of look it up in a, a little bit of surprise there is that the movie was considered to be not successful yeah it was a budget of 24 million shot on location in coney island and Mm -hmm. all around new york in fact one of the principal areas was filmed at the old world trade center when i look at that i almost you know get a little teary-eyed thinking oh my gosh this was the Trade Center, and Sidney Lumet uh, directed this, and mm-hmm. twenty-four million, and only made thirteen million for opening box office. And in in today's standards, is that a flop? But usually, big movies, you have to make your budget the mm-hmm. first weekend or more, right? And then it's considered a success. Yeah. You mentioned something, and then we'll go to the next play that yeah. made mm-hmm. The Wiz a success dec- uh, years and decades afterwards. And what was yeah. that? So, so you and I saw The Wiz, the movie version of it, much uh, at the time that it came out. But most people saw it a lot later. And they mm-hmm. saw it when Michael Jackson became the Moonwalker, the gloved one the biggest star on planet earth and people went back to see everything there was a time in which the jackson five cartoon were back on tv when michael jackson because he was that popular believe it or not some young people might not believe it well michael jackson no matter what you think of whoever you think is the biggest star now it pales in comparison to michael jackson he rivaled the beatles and your grandparents 
talk about the Beatles or someone like that. So Michael Jackson's star power brought the Wiz back. It began to make lots of more money in rentals. It was seen on TV. He became iconic, especially in the African-American community. Still to this day, high schools do productions of the Wiz, mm-hmm. uh, largely based off of the success of the movie version of it. Uh, because it is that iconic role, Michael Jackson as the Scarecrow. So we started with The Wiz in 1974, 75. The movie came years, a few years later in 78. And now we're back on Broadway in the early 80s. And now there is a play named Dreamgirls. My goodness, I mean, and what's really interesting, um, something that you and I haven't talked about, is the fact uh, this idea of the Black musical in the 80s, and I think that both of us can talk about this pretty well, uh, just from our experiences. Uh, you and I, growing up, we saw musicals a lot. Now, sometimes they weren't on Broadway or off-Broadway, but there was a tradition within the Black community to uh, if you're going to take the stage and you got a story, then somebody's going to sing, right? <laughs> Somebody knows something. Somebody go get the piano and there's music going along with that story. So you have these uh, plays that play regionally at places in Chicago, like the Rico Theater and some of the other spots. Pretty much every community that has African-Americans at one point at a theater. And that theater would welcome smaller plays they used to call them gospel plays right mm-hmm. and they and they were supposed to be like these little things and you have these uh playwrights that wrote the gospel plays like david e talbot or some you know unknown person like a tyler perry and you would see these plays um but on broadway that was a little bit more difficult at the time when the Wiz came out you had pearly then you had, a, you had Raisin, which was a musical version of the Raisin of the Sun. And then you had The Wiz and a big gap. And it, then you had Dream Girls. And Dream Girls did something amazing. It was successful not only on Broadway and for that historically Caucasian audience, but as well, it was successful on urban radio, on Black radio it had one breakout song and right. bow what was that song and who sang it an unknown jennifer holiday not unknown for very long. <laughs> Known, uh, got uh, an outstanding actress in a musical, and she was one of the few winners of that. And then also it, it won for Best Choreography, Michael Bennett and Michael Peters. That name Michael Peters sounds a little familiar because he later choreographed the Beat It music video for Michael Jackson. So a lot of people... A lot of actors and singers cut their teeth 
and got their built their acting chops and singing chops on the Great White Way Broadway. And, and don't shortchange Michael Bennett either. Michael Bennett also Michael worked Bennett, on exactly. other other plays uh, built off the success of being part of Dream Girls. Mm -hmm. And Dream Girls had its roots in black music and African American music, which really lent itself. Again, I'm making that point back to radio because yeah. this is how it developed this audience and this following and this longing to see uh, a version of Dream Girls everywhere, whenever, on demand, right? Yeah. And that lasted for decades. So some of the, the original music, the music is really key here, right? And some of the original actors in the original Broadway show, um, Oba Babatunde, mm -hmm. Clevant Derricks, Shirley Ralph, Vonda Curtis Hall, Vonda Curtis Hall, and Loretta Devine. Yeah. And this is, I was trying to figure out why for a long time, I kept seeing these actors show up in a lot of television shows with small Whoop. roles and stuff and my thing is is that if you are the actor's actor you do six days on broadway and you can act with the best of them any of if, them and if you yeah. can make it there you can make it anywhere huh pretty pretty much dream girls appeared I want to say a couple of more times on Broadway in 87. And then there's also a production listed in 2000, 2001. But then. But that song, you're missing out on that song. See, the I song know you, I'm, the song I'm going to get to. I'm going to get to the song. Why wait to get to the song? The song keeps the musical alive. Exactly. That song, that exactly. song makes for a holiday a song. Pretty much it makes any J.H. singer who takes it on a star. So that's the reason why I wanted to make sure that I brought up the movie, because I was thinking, hmm, why is this being made into a film? Because of the song. And the song, and I'm telling you, I'm not going. I heard this at a very young age and was just trying to figure out why is this woman singing with such fervor and using every air in her lungs May the way she would end that i would get upset with the disc jockeys back then michael when they would start talking over it before she finished the me because i wanted to hear that like you and anyone that saw that production especially on Broadway back in the early 80s, you wanted to make sure that Jennifer Holliday was going to be performing. It was not going to be her understudy. It was going to be her. But that song made Jennifer Holliday and then a very unknown from American Idol. Slightly unknown. Didn't win. Slightly didn't unknown. Close, didn't get close to winning. Didn't get close to winning at all. She was one of one of many that was sitting home packing. But Jennifer Hudson played Effie the same role as Jennifer Holliday. And I find it not ironic 
that both women are named Jennifer and their last names start with H. J H and E J H that touches it. <laughs> My goodness. And with with Jennifer Hudson's performance and when she's looking at uh, Jamie Foxx's character and letting everyone know we share something and I'm not letting you go. I don't care what has happened. I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm ready to perform. And he's saying, no, this is, it's over. It's over. And that's kind of the last song before she gears up for it. And Jennifer Hudson, I will say the difference, little slight difference between her performance and Jennifer Holliday's performance. Hudson starts off very angelically sweet, like she's mm -hmm. almost crying. And I am telling you I'm not going You're the best man I'll ever know There's no way I can Jennifer Holiday is more of um, with an attitude. You hear it in the very beginning and you hear the piano and she's and I'm telling she goes into it. Jennifer, she had a whole different interpretation of the same song. And by the time she gets to the end, she doesn't end it the same way Holiday does, but then you feel her reaching through the screen and making you feel the pain of losing this man in the same way that Jennifer Holiday did years earlier. It's just the movie when watching this there was a big premiere at i forgot the name of the theater in new york and i went with a big dream girls fan we were there there were a few of the cast members that were there and they were opening this in new york and we were extremely excited about it there was an entire lgb section that lost their mind because they just they love, oh my gosh, love, love, love Dream Girls. And we were like, okay, everybody's in the building. And when that, you would have thought we were at a Broadway musical, the way people kept standing up and cheering in the theater. Ziggerfield, Zig, Zigfield, Zigfield Theater, 2000, 2006. And one of my close friends, Regina, took me to it. She's like, girl, this is going to be an experience. And when we saw the actors and saw some of the people we were just like wow this I have never seen anything like it and I had a poster or something but whoo so dream girls 2006 best acting best supporting actor Jennifer Hudson and this you know and for the first role the oh that gets her the oh in her EGOT. Now EGOT status. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But now, um, as we wind up, because I know we have a couple of other ones we want to cover, but I, I definitely want to make sure that we get to not Hamilton, but one before Hamilton. Yeah, and this is an important one because there's a continuation here on this idea. So one of the wonderful things about Dream Girls is that most people know that it loosely, very loosely and uh, lawsuit free, uh, tells the story of 
uh, or supposedly the story of a black record company from the Midwest that produces these very, uh, very iconic uh, groups like a girl group, anyway. So it gives you kind of a, a peek into rock and roll. And uh, because we think of artists like the Supremes and like Diana Ross as R&B a lot of times, but they are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. That is rock. And one of the movies that comes out, uh, excuse me, one of the musicals that comes out around 2008 is this very strange and different musical called Passing Strange, which gets the uh, attention of not only Broadway uh, lovers, but one of New York's most iconic filmmakers, Spike Lee. So this brother named Stu produces, African-American, produces a rock musical, right in the same veins of things like Rent and other uh, newer forms of rock music, but he gives it from this black perspective. And he pretty much tells his own story, growing up awkward as his kid, growing up abroad, embracing rock and roll music, being seen as an outcast, an outsider because of that. Spike Lee sees it and within months after his debut on Broadway, films it, takes it to HBO. As it stays on Broadway, it wins Best Book, which again is the narrative side of the musical. So it earns these honors and becomes this kind of like odd staple on HBO and some other um, cable services. And it showcases and shows that you can use different types of music as a musical. You can use rock and roll with your lead, um, your lead character plays a guitar and actually holds a guitar and sings and belts it out which inspires other artists and indirectly to take on different forms like salsa, you know, different uh, Latin um, Afro-Cuban sounds that we haven't heard and, you know, really brought to the stage only slightly in something like a um, West Side Story that has a uh, Puerto Rican uh, mm -hmm. main character in there. And it inspires other artists to blend things in like hip hop into the musical. And then we see this new playwright musical book and music icon develop slowly with uh, with works like In the Heights and others before he hits that billion dollar idea wow. on a beach, reading a book, a beach book about a founding father and has this crazy idea what if we made a musical out of the life of alexander hamilton alexander hamilton my name is alexander hamilton and there's a million things i haven't done but just you wait just you This is the winner of 11 Tony Awards in the 2016 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Michael, it is one of the biggest Broadway hits. Why? Because it is a play of its time and it's a play 
the musical of all time. Mm. It it mixes R&B, uh, traditional so-called theater music, hip hop. It takes on everything that we know as various forms of American music and produces this great American musical in which the founding fathers uh, take on America, the way it looks today in the sound of America, the way that we hear it today. And it is brilliant and it is the billion dollar Broadway musical. And of course, uh, it magazine puts it at a billion dollars. And before Hamilton even gets to Broadway, it's off Broadway, making the transition, the pre-sales <laughs> of this play hits $30 million before the first person that sat down to watch it on Broadway already has earned $30 million. And it's not even to mention Disney Plus, all the other stuff that comes with it. Uh, Val, you're from New York. You were living in New York at the time. Did you get to see Hamilton in New York? Uh, that would be a big fat no. I came close twice. I came close twice. And I was thinking $150 was a lot and come to find out that is that's what was considered cheap but if you wanted something if you wanted a ticket for Hamilton it was literally the hottest ticket in town and it you and it Broadway runs six days a week it always has the Monday off some theaters would sometimes have Sunday and Monday off Hamilton ran six evenings and twice on Sundays, Saturdays and Sundays. And Hamilton made some stars. Um, Renee Else Goldsberry, Christopher Jackson, uh, Leslie Odom Jr., Anthony Ramos. The big digs. Yeah, and you guys know him from the blackish if you and the funny thing is because I was one of the few people that had not seen Hamilton when I got introduced to Leslie Odom and mm -hmm. uh, Anthony Ramos and other things that they became popular for. By the time I had to roll back and get the benefit of an entire streaming service. Disney uh, Plus. Disney Plus. Uh, doing a, a second kickoff to their streaming service as, hey. If you want to see the play and you've never had the money or the time to see it, you could stream it here. And I watched it and I was thinking, I get it now. I didn't get it at first. I listened to it. In fact, I was um, in 2018, I was uh, doing a, a church conference. We were singing and a couple rode in the car with me and they played the entire soundtrack. They were so into it. They knew all the words. And I was just like, I don't get it, but y'all is hype. So I need to see this play. And I came I came close twice, Michael, twice. And didn't get those tickets. However, it is nothing like the experience of seeing a Broadway show seeing it live that's something disney plus cannot provide because hearing the swell of the audience next door with you 
and just mm-hmm. kind of going with the emotion of everything. And Lynn Manuel, I uh, Miranda, he he punched it out every every time I've heard. Very rarely ha- had his understudy to show. It was mainly him. But that, that had been. You tell me, like the the low end was one fifty, and those tickets that sometimes would get to two, three thousand dollars. Yeah, I better see him. <laughs> I better he, he better show up. <laughs> he did better be there. That's the Adam Junior better wake himself up in his little suit and come out on that stage too. I need all of them. I want them all. Renee better show up. I need everybody. I need everybody to show up for that one. Come on. So now, the play I would like to mention in passing now is a movie that became a play. And a Michael, movie. which movie got was directed by Boz Lerman that got so popular it ended up becoming a play after the movie? <laughs> I don't know what you're asking me. Patty oh, LaBelle, please. Because no, I would have got slapped. Oh, my God. Oh, do you know your French? Do you know your parlez-vous français? Do you know? Do your parlez-vous? <laughs> ah, yeah. So that's the, that's the lyrics that uh, originally from, from LaBelle, mm-hmm. Lady Marmalade, mm-hmm. and that song, that that song propelled this film musical to become a musical on the stage. Uh, Moulin Rouge, Moulin Rouge. Now, was there anybody? Wow, when that song came out, I know not everybody liked that song, but it was kind of hard to avoid. The song featured Christina Aguilera, Pink, uh, Missing, uh, pretty much everybody. What even Angie Mark was Angie Martinez? I, I don't remember. It was everybody I thought everybody. in that song. Everybody. Uh and that song pushed that that movie. The movie was uh starting Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor, but you would never know about the, the soundtrack of it, the music. And that came back around and came on Broadway. And uh, last year, won uh, its lead actor, uh, best actor in a musical. It was Moulin Rouge last year and Tina Turner's uh, musical autobiography that pretty much kept Broadway going through that period of COVID. Yeah. And right now, it is the winner of of 10 Tony Awards, including Best Musical. And it is based on the Baz Luhrmann revolutionary film. And sometimes, depending on the art, the stage play can become the film or the film can become the stage play. Absolutely. And as we wrap it up, we started talking about uh, The Wiz and one of mm-hmm. its biggest stars that got the popularity of it back going, invigorated. Well, now his life is on Broadway 
And what can you tell us about MJ the musical, Michael? Oh my goodness, full circle from Michael Jackson playing the part on a Broadway show to the actor, an actor playing Michael Jackson in a musical. You have Miles Frost, uh, this newcomer this year wins as best actor in a musical playing Michael Jackson. Uh, all the music that you know by Michael Jackson, all the major songs, things that about the voice and I already mentioned at the very beginning of, of our time, uh, Off the Wall, uh, Thriller, some of these iconic uh, sounds. And he's got the choreography, they got it down and they brought it to the stage and people are loving it. It is, um, it's come full circle, right? The influence of Black music on Broadway from The Wiz to MJ the Musical is, it's amazing to see. And I know that is something that's really turning that white way. Oh, it's got a Black sway to it. Conversation continues between EP Michael Womble and Val The Voice. For more of our fun outtakes from this week's episode, please visit our Interludes YouTube channel. Have you seen it? It's the weekly chat with EP Michael Womble, Coach Tony, and Val The Voice Johnson. Interludes Extra presents Talk on Tuesdays. Join us and other special guests as we break down the latest topics surrounding music, movies, and sports every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, live in the chat on our Interludes YouTube channel. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble, produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson, original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure Lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by Interludes Extra Talk on Tuesdays, where we highlight people of color in spaces of television and film. To subscribe to our YouTube channel or join our Interludes Facebook group, visit the website linktr.ee forward slash Pure Light Media. <laughs> <laughs>